What's the elf? What is it saying? This is a family show. Welcome, Poke Pals, to the first ever episode of Aos Airwaves, a Pokemon Unite podcast. My name is Ian, but in game I go by Dead Broke Nerd. And with me today is my best friend and bot lane brother, Gibbles and Bits. Gibby, how are you doing today, my dude? I'm good, man. I that is such an intro for our first episode. It That's was right. very Hulk Hogan-esque. And that, that's that's fantastic. I am your bot lane bro, and welcome listeners to our first episode of AOS Airwaves. We are so excited to be doing this podcast. It's something that's been on our mind for quite some time, and we finally said, you know what? No time like the present. Let's do it. Let's, let's make our own podcast about uh, Pokemon Unite. Yeah, no, this is a game that, uh, you know, I, I think when we first uh, started playing this, I, I started playing when it first came out a little bit, and... Uh, uh, Gibby, yeah, I think you waited until it came out on mobile, and that's where you primarily play it. Um, but I don't think we thought in like September that we would be sticking with this game and getting as invested in it as we have over the last few months. I mean, this is we play it almost every day now. I mean, I didn't even own a Switch until Christmas, so I yeah. you had to convince <laughs> me to even pick up the game on mobile. But this game hit so hard. And so it got so popular quickly. I felt so left out when the rest of our our Discord members from uh, Camp Legend were were playing, and you guys were five stacking, and or just even getting at least three people on a team. And I was like, I wish I could be a part of this, but I can't because I don't have the means. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, ever since it came out on mobile, we have been jamming this game nonstop, and I don't I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. So. Uh, I think we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to offer our listener base in this in this podcast, and might as well get into it. So, so Brendan and I, uh, we've known each other for years, um, but we actually are part of the Camp Legend Network. You might have heard that. That is just a private podcasting network that uh, ourselves and our friend Mark have, where we have uh, right now two other podcasts that we do, all sort of under the same banner. Um, and so we've been podcasting for a while. Myself, I've been podcasting for almost three years now in a couple different formats. And uh, so it's something that we really love to do. And we have a passion for creating content, especially audio content. And so we will be building this podcast with the goal in mind of being able to offer fun, friendly, and engaging content for the Pokemon Unite community that can hopefully touch on and access some of the different sides of the Unite community you know, not just uh, the competitive side, uh, but also the new player experience, um, the casual community that logs on a couple times a day and, and plays a few matches um, and being able to, you know, give some helpful tips, tricks, advice, suggestions, as well as some of the creative sides um, and tapping into some of the, the fun things, the theory crafting, just the unique aspects of the community that may not be uh, strictly gameplay related. So, um we will be trying out a lot of different segments and uh, seeing what sticks. So the best thing you guys can do as you listen uh, is to think about what your favorite parts were uh, and then take the time to give us some of that feedback so we can grow this podcast into something that the community can really get behind. We are hosts of the people. 
That's very right. First and foremost, and we want to hear what you guys like, what you don't. If you have ideas for new segments, we will have spaces for you all to input that. And there will be, spoiler alert, some places that we're asking for your feedback, and that will be recurring or will be creative and new uh, each and every week as we as we put out these uh, these episodes. So uh, stay tuned and, and keep a, keep an eye out or keep an ear out for the places where we're asking uh, for the engagement of the listeners because that will be a part of it. Yeah, and so you guys can expect to hear from us uh, about every other week. We will let you guys know if that, uh, for some reason, doesn't pan out uh, on any given week. I mean, we both have, you know, uh, careers and and uh, significant others and whatnot, but, uh, but we're pretty passionate about podcasting. So you can expect to hear from us about every other week. We're going to try to publish on Fridays. Um, each episode will likely feature... Three segments, one dedicated to the newer casual player, one focused on a more in-depth breakdown of high-level Pokemon Unite, um, and a final section that is focused more on the sort of open-ended uh, creative or just fun segments. This is just where we're going to goof off and really enjoy some of the sides of Pokemon Unite that, you know, may not have to do with the actual gameplay. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that, and we'd love to hear your ideas on that. Uh, but let's get started with a little bit about us, who we are as players, who we are as, uh, as you know, you know, as people, I guess. Not that you really care about that, but uh, but Gibby, tell us uh, a little bit about your experience as a uh, Pokemon Uniter, as a uh, you know gamer, MOBA player. What do you got for us? Oh, and they will care about who we are as people. That's that's part of our goal. Maybe eventually, <laughs> we we have to earn that. All right, right. That, that is not given. Yeah, uh, for everybody. Uh, my name is Brendan, aka Gibby, because last name is Gibson. Uh, but I go on Discord and in Pokemon Unite as Gibbles and Bits. So you'll hear multitude of names that I am referred to as. As a gamer, I've been playing games pretty much all of my life. Very much more geared towards a console player. Uh, I mean, that was really all we had when we were growing up. But now, now that we've got options, I've not really been much of an eight of a um, a desktop player. Still have uh, followed all of the Nintendo systems all the way up, uh, up until me taking a, quite a large gap to get a Switch. But uh, I play a lot on PS4. I like first-person shooters. I I like uh, kind of map-driven games, almost like Diablo or or even Bloodborne and things like that. Those games are always fun. Um, a card game player. Uh, I've played Hearthstone for for quite some time. One of our other podcasts uh, that we do, Legends of Runeterra, still playing that actively. Uh, and Ian and I both played uh, Legends of the Five Rings as well before that game mm-hmm. kind of dissolved its way out. So uh, the level of sophistication for me as a gamer has continued to grow uh, as I've uh, I've grown up in age. So uh, th- also the variety of the games I've played. For example, Pokemon Unite is my first MOBA experience. Despite how many great MOBAs there are out there, and Ian constantly telling me, you need to come play Dota 2 with me. I never <laughs> did. I never did. I never probably had a computer. That's, that probably, that's probably for the best. <laughs> hey, I never, I never had a computer that could handle that kind of action. So I, uh, this is my first MOBA experience, and I feel like it's a pretty friendly one, too, for being my first MOBA. Um, but it has, it has grown uh, quite rapidly. Uh, for me in terms of importance and how often I'm in the game. I play almost every day, if not every day, maybe every other day. We've got our... Uh, Ian and I both have a, a squad that we use um, to compete in the uh, in the, the World Championships uh, qualifying tournaments that are going on right now for Pokemon Unite. Uh, we are the Hat Haters, uh, as, as we're currently named. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Shout out to Curry, shout out to Payne, shout out to Justin, shout out to Bliss. Uh, those are our, 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 our teammates there. But enjoying the game, loving it, 
uh, gaming in general is a big part of my life. So then this has become a pillar of it. DBN, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, your experience, and uh, everything that you've gotten uh, to enjoy with gaming. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've played games for forever. I'm a huge nerd. Um, Card games is really where I started, uh, especially within the content creation sphere. So I I started – I played a little Hearthstone, moved over to Elder Scrolls Legends. I streamed uh, that game for a long time, made YouTube content. I also – I casted – the master series for that so i have some casting background as well um and just really got uh fully invested in that game until uh bethesda pulled the plug uh so i jumped ship went over played some yeah played some uh legends of runeterra we have our podcast for that still ongoing a lot of fun very cool card game um but uh but mobas is interesting because i got into dota 2 my freshman year of college uh my roommate and friend um was just telling me all about it and i remember waking up in the middle of the night because he's he's screaming uh at his computer as he's losing uh and uh, very <laughs> in character for him and i was like dude this has to be interesting if it gets you this riled up so i downloaded it the next day and played it with him and i got hooked on it so i played uh i think almost four thousand hours of dota 2 throughout college and a little bit after college um that was literally the only video game i played during college that and hearthstone that was it. my goodness i didn't yeah. realize you would play that much dota oh yeah big time um so I uh I mostly played like uh duo queue uh with my buddy. Um very rarely five stacked except for a short span of a couple months when I was on the practice squad for an aspiring team that did not make it. Uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> but nonetheless I, I count myself as a pretty uh old school but experienced uh Dota player. And although I don't play it much anymore, MOBAs have become one of my favorite genres. Played Heroes of the Storm as well, played a little uh League of Legends, but it didn't quite scratch the same itch that Dota did, sue me. Uh and uh Wild Rift actually for a bit, and then when I found out United was coming uh i ditched wild rift and uh jumped into uh jumped into unite wholeheartedly and it's interesting because going from like dota which is significantly more complex to unite i expected it i I expected to not get as invested in unite right like i i thought that maybe it would not be as compelling but weirdly the you know truncated uh duration of the match actually makes it so that it's difficult and challenging in a completely different way. Like you have to be significantly more efficient in Pokemon Unite than really you had to be in Dota 2 to win. Like a small era in Dota 2 um, doesn't always cast, uh, you know, five. You know, it, it can it can maybe cast a a, a uh, match down five to ten minutes, right? But you you might be playing a forty five minute match to an hour match right so it's not as a small mistake doesn't make as big of a an impact as it does in unite so um really pokemon unite has been so fascinating for me because it's a completely different type of uh of complex and that like you really have to try to be as mistake free as humanly possible so it's it's really um it's really caught my uh, caught my attention. Yeah, Gibby and I have a have a very humble team that we've been playing with and and trying to uh, you know dive deeper into the competitive scene. So we've we've competed in and not done particularly well in several events, but we're getting there. And honestly, from even what two months from founding the team, like we've just gotten so much better. And it's it's really man, five stacking is so fun. I love I love getting a five stack together. It just it's a completely different experience. So um, that's a little bit of our background. Um, we do play together uh, as a duo quite a bit too. So we have a lot of very different thoughts and experiences that we can share and we hope to share eventually through this podcast on the 
solo and duo queue experience and how the i mean the the rankings of pokemon the expectations and even some of the rotations you make probably should be different because you're not able to communicate with those other members of your teams it's a very different game in many ways and we're excited to dive into some of that discussion but the first thing we want to do is jump into our casual segment uh where uh, as i described we will sort of have a, a three segments that are generally uh grouped for casual competitive and creative we'll have names for them but hope eventually hopefully you will get the uh, the pattern of, of how our episodes are laid out so for our first segment let's jump into experience share he's getting a big head yeah but his brain's still the same size so experience share is going to be one of our name segments where we talk about um you know things that can give new players or casual players that are still looking to learn a little bit more uh, a bit of an edge right um and we want to try to make it things that are not like simple basic tutorial stuff right or maybe it is in the tutorial and you just forget about it so for this first one we are looking at five features that newer players often overlook. Um, so these are going to be, you know, elements of the game that are really easy to miss and that you can totally succeed and win games and rank up without even really knowing these things are there, but they can still be really helpful as a way to up your game. So Gibby, what's our first feature uh, that newer players often overlook? Yeah, I like to think of these as quality of life features, right? Things that will make your your gameplay or your your experience when you boot up Pokemon Unite more enjoyable each and every time uh, we're trying to make them not so basic that it feels so like, like feels rudimentary and, and like we're talking down to anybody. We want them to be useful ones that even experienced players. And a couple of these, I didn't know even after being through the game, being in the game for, for five, six months. So the first one being uh, about favoriting your Pokemon. So there is an option when you go into your profile and uh, you go to the, the the Pokemon screen where you can see all of the Unite licenses that you have purchased and the ones off to the far right that you haven't. I like to call it the uh, the car shopping window screen because it literally <laughs> <Yeah>. looks <laughs> like you just drove to a Kia dealer and you're looking at a Kia Sorento sitting inside of the uh, the glass screen in the middle of the of the showroom floor. Um, so you can see all of your all of your Pokemon laid out. You've got your Lamborghini. You've got your F one fifty being Garchomp. See now, so which one's the Lamborghini? Ooh, Lamborghini's got to be Talonflame, right? Talonflame, yeah, yeah pretty stylish. Like stylish, <laughs> sleek, goes fast. Yeah, not not necessarily uh, fuel efficient, but uh... <laughs> and I, think, I think and I think to buy he costed ten thousand uh, AOS coins as well. So he's also expensive. no, no. Talonflame was six thousand because he's one of the ones you can get right out of the gate. Uh, Remember? Okay. Maybe maybe he's a Miata then. Yeah, maybe okay, some, you're right. Some, yeah. Something a little bit more affordable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when you go into that screen, I mean, we've all been through this scenario, right? Where you, you, you queue up a game, it, everyone readies up, it goes to that lobby for a character select, and you're like, I really want to play uh, Gardevoir this game. And you go to select Gardevoir, and somebody else snags it front, out in front of you. jerks. How or, dare or they? At, I mean, it's almost impossible sometimes to be able, especially in non-ranked, to be able to get the new character queued that just comes out. So what can help you get that more often? Or if you're trying to get better at a character, be able to practice that in more games more often. Favorite that Pokemon in this play in your Pokemon screen. So you go to that showroom screen and there's a heart button. You can click on a Pokemon, click that heart button. And every time you go to queue a game there for, for, from there on forward... You will have, uh, I think if you're on Switch, it will automatically mm -hmm. jump to and select that character. Or if you're on mobile, in the bottom row of all of the Pokemon in the selection screen, 
it'll be the far left one always that you see so you can click on it quickly. So it'll help you queue up the, the desired Pokemon more often. It's a very simple change. If you're ever unsure on which one you've got selected, it's also the one that appears on your home screen every time you boot up the game. Yep. That's the Pokemon you've got currently selected. So it's it's easy to tell. You can switch it at any time in between games, and it will help you play the characters you want more often. Out of curiosity, Gibby, what is the Pokemon that you have favorited? So this has changed over and over again as we've changed comps, and we've been practicing certain things for our five stack. But if I was to pick purely off of enjoyment, and I think it's what it is right now, it is Gardevoir. Is my is that's that's my character, that's my girl. Uh, that I I think it was the first one that I ever bought in the game. Yeah, if I remember and correctly, sadly enough, it was pretty it was, bad at the time. It was garbage. I would, but I didn't know. I didn't know any any of the garbage war. How they performed. <laughs> yeah, it was garbage war. So so garbage war was on my home screen, and it's it's jumped back and forth for for a time. It was Eldegoss. Um, for a time it was Sylveon, mm-hmm. uh, but now it's, I think it's back to Garbage War. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's jump into the second feature. Uh, this is one that I use like constantly. So when we play our five stack, I, I do a lot of the sort of overall, uh, shot calling. So just sort of directing traffic as we're all playing. I, I mostly play supports and defenders. Um, so I am constantly like looking at the mini map. A lot of that's just Dota instinct, just like eyes darting left right left right glancing the mini map at all times um but uh something that's been really helpful for me and that i've been utilizing like excessively almost is the camera scrolling so camera scrolling is so essential i think um for everything from like when you're running down a lane to get to a team fight you kind of want to know how the team fight's developing um, as you're approaching it so that you can kind of understand what moves you need to be queuing up, like who you need to be targeting, especially if you're a support and you're going to come in and you're going to drop a shield on somebody. Let's say it's Hoopa Trick. Like you, if you can scroll ahead, you can still move down the lane, which, you know, hopefully you could do that without having to look. It's a pretty straightforward thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you want to have that information as you're approaching the fight so you can see what direction. Like are you getting out? Are you trying to help your team escape? Are you peeling? Are you trying to push the advantage? You're going to make different tactical decisions as you approach a fight um, um, depending on what's happening. And if you just walk up blind, you won't be able to make that correct decision, or at least not as quickly, right? So so scrolling ahead to look at things as they're developing, as you're moving into a scenario, can be really useful, especially when it comes to object- objectives. Because although Fog of War will obscure enemy Pokemon in an area where you don't have anybody, it will not obscure the health bars of Pokemon like Dreadnought or uh, or Rotom or Zapdos. So you can see if these big objective Pokemon are being taken without anyone ever having to be there. And you can say, okay, crap, you know, we were late to, to second Rotom. Uh, you know, no big deal, guys. Let's back off and defend it because it's already at half health. We're not going to get there in time, Right. Right. Back off, farm up, and then get to the top lane to stop the push, you know, uh, and make those tactical decisions from there. If you're approaching, um, let's say, uh, Dreadnought, and you can scroll ahead and you can see they started it, now you can say, guys, they started. We know they're there. Let's go get them. Let's jump in. Let's, let's, you know, where's our initiator? Okay, they look to be Dreadnought's facing the right direction. It's taking about a quarter health. That means they're probably not all there or they're still trickling in. Like, you can get a lot of information based on how the objectives are being taken. Um, simply by scrolling over, and you don't have to be there. It's a really, really useful tool that's going to step up your game if you're not using it. And some people saving, already saving are. Saving big moves. Saving mm-hmm. big moves for for, uh, for steals or for objective takings. So you don't 
Yeah. And you sit in and you're like, oh, I wish I could have <laughs> no, used my solar beam, but it's on cooldown now. If you're playing a solar beam Vino, you can sit in that bush and just sort of watch it from max range <laughs> and say, okay, here's the solar beam. Boom, snipe. Uh, very fun. Same with Talonflame. So there's a lot of really cool things you can do. You can also go into your settings, and if you feel like the camera moves too slowly, you can change that. You can make it so the camera zips around really fast. It's, it's I've actually been tinkering with that and trying to figure out my favorite like speed of camera movement. Um, so yeah, take a look at that. Let's go into the third one. Gibby, what you got for us? So the third point that we want to make is about held items and passive cooldown tracking. So when you're playing in a match, whether it's competitive, uh, in, in ranked, or if you're playing in casual or even just practicing, uh, in the practice arena, which is also very useful, you can see as you are, are playing in the arena in the bottom corner, you can see certain uh, held items that you've got equipped or certain passives uh, that you've got equipped, um, or if, depending on what character you're playing, you can see if they've been triggered or not or how close they are to coming back up where they would proc again. So being able to keep track of some of those things uh, can be very useful. Some examples of what I mean when I'm talking about these um these procs or things that you might see uh, in there. So, for example, Mamma Swine, uh, he has a passive called Thick Fat, where every time he he does damage to a Pokemon, it will stack uh, his special attack and his special defense up to three times, and then that will kind of go on a cooldown um, after after he's stacked or after it's been kind of burned through. No pun in, pun intended, uh, and. Um, It'll come back around. You'll be able to see. Okay, it's back up. I can I can start to stack. Uh, I can start to stack my special attack and special defense again. Lucario, when he gets low, he gets a shield. Uh, Duraludon, heavy metal prevents him from being thrown or shoved. That's his passive. So these certain passives you can kind of track, but also, and to me probably more importantly, is your held items. So if you're running something like a Razor Claw, um, that will do damage upon doing like a move. Um, Shell Bell, which will heal you off of a move. Focus Band. Focus Band's certain... the big one for me. Focus I play... Band's probably the biggest. Yeah, I mean, when you play a lot of supports and tanks, like, a lot of them end up with Focus Band on it. And, like, there's a big difference if your Focus Band is up or not up uh, when you're taking fights. Like, that's super useful information. And what's crazy is, um, that, like, these little trackers, this is the one for me that I went the longest time without knowing. Right. And I, uh, there was a time where I was trying to like check the scoreboard time to see, okay, that's when my focus band got triggered. Better countdown. Or like, uh, this is when it'll be up. It was stupid. It was like burning space in my brain. And I didn't, and somebody told me, did you look at the tiny little squares in the bottom right corner? What? I didn't even notice they're there. There's so much crazy explosions happening, big AOS energy indicators, and there's this tiny little square in the bottom right corner. It's so easy to miss. But now that I know it, like it's, it's super useful. Yeah. I mean, that just knowing whether you still have your focus band up or if, uh, uh, you've still got like a cooldown on your score shield to try to go in for another dunk. That's a big one. Like, like those are those are really important information that might win you or lose you a fight, and maybe de- maybe determine whether you go into an engagement or not. So keep an eye on your cooldowns in the bottom right hand corner. You'll see the symbols. The, the they should be the same symbols as you saw when you loaded preloaded those uh, those items up uh, in the in the uh, Pokemon selection screen. Or if you did it at home before you jumped into a game, they should be the same symbol, so you should know exactly what they are. Ian, what is our fourth of the five uh, tips that we have? 
Yeah, so this one may be a little bit more niche, uh, but I have nonetheless found it useful, and it kind of comes from my Dota 2 background. So um, one of the things a lot of people may not know is when you are playing, you can open up your menu, and yes, there is something that can be selected other than the surrender button uh, in the menu, and that's the scoreboard. Uh, the scoreboard does not actually show you the score, ironically enough, and we can debate back and forth whether we think that the, uh, Aos Energy scores, uh, should be shown or not shown, um, but, uh, there are not in this, however, there is some really, really useful stuff that you can look at on the scoreboard. Now, the scoreboard, I'll preface this by saying, it takes up a huge portion of the screen, and you have to go through two button presses to get to it, so... I do advise you only do that like when you're dead or when there's nothing else going on. You can quickly check it, but it can be really useful, especially in the first five minutes of the game as you're approaching an objective timer or a um, or as you're like moving up and rotating through an area. Let's say you're the, the jungler if you're ganking or let's say you just got killed and you're coming back to a fight that's ongoing. It's really helpful to quickly take a glance because what that can give you is what abilities the enemy Pokemon have taken. Um, and so if there's situations where there are multiple builds that are viable for certain Pokemon, you can check and say, okay, this is a bad example because it's not very good, but you can say, oh, did the Cramorant pick Hurricane or did it pick, uh, was it Air Slash? Air Slash. Uh, and that's because it's going to completely change how you engage with a Cramorant in a fight, right? Um, those things will no longer be surprises. They will be, you can check before a big fight goes off. More importantly, you can see not only what um, uh, what their uh, at battle item is. You can't see their held items. You can see their battle items, right? Um, and you can see the cooldowns on those as well. And you can see their levels. And that's the, maybe the biggest thing that I use it for is in the first five minutes, I want to see as I'm approaching an objective – which of the enemy Pokemon has their ults, especially if I haven't been in the lane with them? And sometimes, especially in a 5v5 situation, um, you know, we, we try to keep our comms, like, relatively clear. So I might occasionally, like, ask somebody. I might ask our top laner, like, hey, like, what level is their Lucario right now? Okay, he's at 7. All right, all right, good information. It's got close combat or got... um. What is it? Uh, the, bone uh, Rush. Bone Rush. I always forget the name of Bone Rush. Um, you got close combat. Got Bone Rush. Okay. Um, we're, we're, uh, we got to keep our eyes out for that, right? But it also helps you, like, okay, do that, does their jungler, who I haven't seen in three levels, have their ults or not? Um, and that's really important information as you're preparing for a fight to call out, like, Cinder has his ult. Like, be aware. Like, you know. <laughs> um, right. And that information can really help you out. So I do recommend occasionally... Um, popping up the scoreboard, especially if you haven't, you know, seen the Pokemon from the other lane yet. Um, it can be really helpful to know what build they're rocking uh, and um, if they have their ult or not. After five minutes, it doesn't get as useful, but I still think it's something that a lot of people don't know to check in. And that comes from my Dota background. I had a quick key, so I could tab and like quickly pull it up, and as soon as I let go, it goes away. Really useful function, um, and I and I do recommend that. So uh, we got one more. We got one more feature here that a lot of people don't uh, or, or might overlook. Uh, what is it, Gibby? It is watching for score callouts. So across the game, you get these, you get this vague voice from the sky go, "You're in trouble," and like or like any of the other pre-programmed phrases to kind of let you know how the tempo of the game is going from a score perspective. Are you winning? Are you losing? By how much? And you may not know right away from joining the game, or if you just play casually, what the definitions are 
of those call-outs and how often they come into the match. Yeah, the announcer's just... not just insulting you. Like there's a there's a purpose behind it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean if you're if you're losing by a lot and he's like we're really struggling, you're like thank you, I understand. No. Like, you're just, <laughs> yeah, obviously. No. <laughs> Thanks for that. I appreciate it. I'm aware. No, there's actually a meaning to that and it can change some of your decision making uh, on how you approach the latter half of the game. Uh, or if you group up or where you where you place your teammates and your Pokemon, depending on uh, where you're at score-wise. So, first of all, the, all of the call-outs come at five minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game, two minutes left in the game, and one minute left in the game. So you can get also a feel of what have you accomplished over the last couple of minutes. If you know you dunked 80 points and you're still within the same category, it's probably not by that much, Right. It's it, it's my, the gap might be a lot closer. You still might be in the same category, but you might be a lot closer. And it can give you some good information about just how many points you need to maybe edge out a win if you were able to pull it off in the late game. The categories are we're really struggling, which means you are losing by over 100 points. We're struggling to keep up, which is not as bad of a phrase. It's not as insulting, uh, which means you are <laughs> losing between 30 to 99 points. It's a close battle means that it is you either winning or losing uh, by less than 30 points. So zero to 29 is the range, but it can be positive or negative. You might be dead even at that point, too. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't put kind of that delineator on it. It's like it's a really, really, really close. We're in the lead means it's the inverse. You are up by 30 to 99 points, and then we have a huge lead. You are up by over 100 points. That's the message you want. Yeah, at all times. <laughs> right. So so knowing where you are within a battle and how many points you're down or up, and also what you've got in your, what you've got in your hand, you mm -hmm. might say, we've got a minute left. We are, it's a close battle. I might need to go make a push to dunk these points. Or we're struggling to keep up. All right, everybody, let's not play defensively at our own goals, we need to go and try to push those points because otherwise we're never going to win. Or if you're up by a huge lead, don't try to burn zap because you don't need it. Yeah. Sit, play defensively, group up as a team, just focus on them, not on zap. So there's, there's a bunch of different indicators that those scores can tell you, but knowing what they mean is probably the bigger half of the battle. Yeah. There's some huge situations. I, I find that the, the three, two and one minute ones are obviously the most important, but the two minute one, especially is really helpful for me. And I always try to pay attention to that one. Um, we, we have a lot of guys on our, on our five stack that are really good about monitoring these and calling them out. Like guys, the things that were behind guys, the things that were ahead, which is great for me because honestly, I tend to tune it out a lot of times because I'm really focusing on the mini map um, and, and looking at rotations and trying to call out like, OK, this person needs to go here. So when we have some of the guys, um, you know, calling out like, hey, the announcer said we're behind, like that can be really, really helpful. Um, but especially at two minutes, because what can often happen is at two minutes, you might be even on the total number of goals that are remaining, which at like the initial level is kind of giving you an indicator of like who's roughly ahead. OK, we have one more goal than them. We may not be ahead if they got a huge overcap and we only barely cleared them. But generally speaking, you're probably ahead. But let's say that there's there's two goals left on each side, right? The score discrepancy can still wildly fluctuate. Um, and you need to know 
Okay, we're even on goals, but really who's ahead? And that's where like tuning into that two minute one is essential um, because it completely shifts. Okay, do we send somebody for a back cap? Do we, you know, uh, do we try to take Zap as soon as possible? Are we burning it? Are we like stalling them out here in the middle area? Are we trying to like go out and aggressively kill them and ignore Zap because we're really far ahead? That's all the information that you will not be able to read from a map, but could be fluctuating very drastically. Um, even if you're even on goal. So like listening in and, and taking the time to not just see that they're happening, but tune in and really understand what it means can really elevate your game. So those are our, uh, our five features that newer players, uh, may be overlooking. So hopefully you guys found that helpful. Let's go ahead and jump into our first competitive segment. We're calling it masterclass. I don't know about this school of yours, but if it's turning out students like you, I'd have to say the standards are pretty low. What we want to talk about in this competitive segment, there will be a wide variety of topics. Some of you've heard on other podcasts, some of you've heard from other professionals who put out Pokemon Unite content. Content. If it's one of those topics, you'll get our opinion, and hopefully it gives you a bit more context about where we stand on an issue. And maybe you value that opinion. I don't know. Maybe at some point. Uh, but if not, <laughs> hopefully it's creative enough and still competitive enough that it's relevant. So what we want to talk about today is we have a new character incoming, Azumarill. And we also want to talk about the impact that we we believe Azumarill will have on possible lane compositions going forward uh, in can the competitive scene. Are we going to see a big shift? Are we not going to see a big shift? Uh, so we're going to kind of dive into that and that will be our first kind of episode topic for, for masterclass. So let's talk about Azumarill first. Azumarill is going to be a new all arounder coming into the game. Um, it's a water based Pokemon and some of the moves via, uh, data mining from a very predominant, uh, data miner, El Chico Eevee have, uh, been released and we've seen some gameplay footage of what and and some some vague descriptions about what we believe the the move sets are going to look like for Azumarill. So I'll cover that briefly and then we'll kind of dive into the the comp talk. So uh, Azumarill has start, two starting moves that we've kind of already seen uh within other Pokémon that should be very very similar. So tackle, uh very similar to what Mamoswine has as tackle, it's going to allow the Pokémon to jump forward. Um in kind of in a, in a direction and do some damage and get a slight knock up. That's going to be a really good secure tool early bubble is going to blast a bunch of bubbles out in a direction. Those are the two basic moves that you can get. And then um, there's almost two different play styles that we're seeing amongst the move sets. Both seem relatively viable. We, we don't know how we don't have damage numbers yet. We don't, uh, or at least specifically, we don't have damage numbers yet. We don't have scaling yet. We haven't seen it in gameplay and being able to have it. We don't have it in our hands, so it's hard to say which one's more viable. We're not going to speak upon that. But Play Rough and Aqua Tail uh, work together. Play Rough is almost as a, a jump-in engage tool and a buff, and then Aqua Tail is going to be a, a single-target heavy damage hitting move. Water Pulse is going to be a, a move that kind of jumps around from opponent to opponent, doing some damage, and Whirlpool is going to be a uh, AoE-based, kind of centered around Azumarill, uh, Azumarill herself, um, doing damage and also recovering HP. The The final move, the the Pokemon Unite move, Belly Bash, is going to, she's going to pound, her, pound her stomach three times, and then is going to run around uh, doing damage. Uh, Ian equ- equated it almost to a, a pseudo-Blissey, yeah, Alt. charging uh, forward, 
doing increased damage. It looked like it has a knockup in the video as well. Yeah. So it's going to it's going to sacrifice some of its health to gain quite a big overshield, make itself last, do some high high points of damage. Yeah, it so. literally boosts the attack stat. So it's kind of got that that scaling. Uh so all those moves that use the attack stat are going to be scaling more so while that effect is active, which is pretty scary considering what I think is probably the the most important part of the character, which is the passive. Yeah, absolutely. Um I mean, and it will also probably affect the uh the uh, health items that you decide to put on a zoom yeah, true, as well true. because you can take advantage of that really if you if you value that unite move and it ends up being stronger than we think could really be a uh an all-in dump maybe you go energy amplifier or something like that to really boost the attack That'd be crazy uh, on an on an alt but so with that being said it looks like there's two one more team-based fight and one more um one more single target based fight and the last thing we didn't talk about which maybe is the most impactful about Azumarill, is the passive. The passives being uh, Azumarill, anytime it hits with a basic attack, a move, or a unite move on a single target, only hits one target with that move, it is an automatic 100% crit. If it hits two or more targets on a basic attack, move, or unite move, it is going to do, it is a 0% chance that it is a critical hit. So it will either always be a crit or never be a crit. Which could infect, which which could uh, influence the moves that you pick uh, and where you put this Pokemon. So, uh, Ian, first reactions to the upcoming uh, Azumarill. What do you think uh, about the move sets? Well, uh, so the move sets are really interesting. I think that there's a lot of discussion out there suggesting that perhaps Azumarill's role as a duelist, almost uh, just trying to catch out single Pokemon and blast them down with some really potent single target damage, utilizing the auto crits is going to be really, really powerful, especially in lane. I think that's totally true. I do, however, like looking at the other moves, um, I think that there's potential some like potentially some viability in that set uh, when it comes to the inevitable nerf that will happen if the uh, if the basic attack boosting moves in Aqua Tail and Play Rough end up being too much, right? And, and it's really hard to suggest. Now I believe um, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, I heard that El Chico Eevee suggested that when Duraludon was coming out, which we all know was just bonkers and has already been tuned down and still seems to have some viability after being tuned down, um, suggested that Azumarill was even more powerful than Duraludon and says, save your coins uh, because Azumarill's even more powerful than Duraludon. Now, of course, that's one person's opinion. Not that I don't trust El Chico Eevee, but, you know, it, it, these things, anytime they're in a MOBA, a new character releases, A, they have a tendency to be a little overtuned. That's a common, not only is that a common thing because it's, it's hard to see all of the possibilities and all the compositions that it could go into and enhance, and it takes some time to build those things out, but also it's a common tactic that League of Legends sort of popularized to release a character like wildly powerful and broken to boost its sales and to boost its like popularity and the discussion around it and then nerf it shortly after. I don't necessarily want to say that Unite does that, but we have seen a a some of the, the characters come out in that state, and then some of the other ones fall flat, like Trevenant. So who knows? Who knows for sure? Yeah, exactly. Um I will say, if I, I recall, I think they said that Azumarill's base uh, attack uh, stat is actually pretty low. So it's going to be sort of um, – the crits are going to be essential to it actually doing enough damage to make an impact. What 
I think scares me the most about the character in terms of its implications in the meta is Aquatail. Because not only uh, does Aquatail like boost the uh, basic next three basic attacks, it adds a range to them. It boosts the damage it does um, if it's like further away in that range. But more than that, it ignores defense stats and it goes through shields. Which, in a meta that's been entirely dominated by the most powerful held item in the game, Buddy Barrier, this seems like a direct attack on the Buddy Barrier meta. What will be interesting to see is, will it be enough to push people away from Buddy Barriers? Because, like, here's the situation I'm imagining. And tell me if this seems crazy, Gibby. Um, You're in a team fight. Things start breaking out. The enemy Cinderace is sort of hanging out at the edge, like it always does, right? The Azumarill comes in, maybe it, like, eject buttons over, or maybe, okay, let's let's say, it probably would, you would want to unite move the Cinderace. But let's just say, it, you know, there's some fighting going on, the Azumarill eject buttons over, it uses play rough, charges towards Cinderace, gets a knockup, right? Immediately slaps Aquatil. As the Cinderace backs away, trying to leave, somebody buddy barriers it. The Cinderace's team's like, we gotta save our Cinderace. Cinderace is gonna carry the fight. The Buddy Barrier pops up. Azumarill says, Aquatail, I now no longer care about your huge overshield. I'm just gonna chunk the last bit of your damage. And now, by the way, now it's at range. And if you run away from me, I do more damage. Like, it seems like this crazy good assassin that while, like, on paper, it's like, you might only want to do this, like, as a catch people out, almost like a speedster role, where you would, like, Isolate people, burst them down, run away. Azumarill seems almost more potent at that idea than them because in a team fight, the traditional way to save somebody is through a buddy barrier. Uh, and now that's not going to matter. Or even through like an overshield. Not going to matter. Cotton, 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 cotton guard. Water. Trick. Um, I believe now safeguard, uh, not, it does make it unstoppable, uh, as well. Um, but that's still a small overshield too. So like the traditional like supports slash buddy barrier as a way to save your allies is going to be moot against this Pokemon. So in a way it's not a terrible team fighter because it's mitigating some of the tactics that the other team would be using, which I, it's just like, it's really hard to fathom exactly how it'll shape out. But like, I personally find that concerning and also compelling (laughs) like it'll be neat to see how things shake up there but um i don't know like what do you think because we've you you know behind the scenes gibby and i have been massively discussing the lane implications and i think that's something that's on a lot of content creators minds it's like we live in a 113 meta in the competitive scene obviously like Hmm. duo and solo queues like it's usually still 212 um, just because it's the easiest way to coordinate with your teammates. But like in the 5v5 scene, one one three is by far and away the o- almost the only thing that's getting play unless there's a score comp, which is where you throw everything, all the rules go out the window, right? right. Um, but like, is this enough? A, to force out Lucario in the top lane. B, to force a transition to a 2-1-2 meta. Because I have, I mean, I'm I'm flip flopping back and forth. And quick clarification on my end, I just kind of did a quick research. Cotton Guard is not dead in the water; it restores HP, not a shield. So Cotton Guard, fine on on Eldegoss. Won't wouldn't be affected. It doesn't put an overshield as well. No, not from what, not from how the oh, move okay. reads at least. I think it just restores HP. I thought it did an overshield and restored, but okay. Uh so that's good. 
at least the HP but part I mean, of it, uh, it does provide number shield. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so I think it's a very interesting conversation about one one three versus two one two. I mean, I think the competitive scene has been calling for. It's no secret that they've been kind of calling for Lucario to be dethroned for a while. I mean, it's to a lot of the frustration of, uh, of of top players, podcasters. Unless you are a Lucario through and through main, and that's all you do, everybody else under their mom wants to see Lucario gone, or at least toned down. Um, he wants to see him get a C on his report card because he is so good and has been forever. I mean, you are not truthfully competitive as a top as a as a top team comp- in a competition unless you're doing something wildly different if you aren't running Lucario top i mean there's some experimental stuff now since they've toned down close combat that seems like teams are being able to get away from it mm-hmm. but i don't think that you are you're not benefiting your team by not running Lucario and running a 113 uh in that format and having Lucario in your top lane now because the, and the bigger problem with that is, and let's let's identify why Lucario is so good as that solo in the top lane because he has that passive where he gets that little bit of shield to help keep himself alive. He's got a big enough health pool and he's got dashing effects where he can, he's got good secure. He can take some farm Pokemon, go dunk, go start stacking his attack stats, and start to outduel anybody else that could possibly be up there outside of a fifty-fifty battle with another Lucario. But what happens when you have a specialist that wants to see a 1v1 across from them yeah. and snipe their health down so quickly because they crit every single time? Like, Absol is actually a pretty decent counter to Lucario, right? Because of all of the crit possibilities that you can get. But Absol doesn't see that play in that way because it falls off in the late game. Now, we don't know if Azumarill will be great late game, how it will scale. That's a big question. There are a lot of factors that are going to, at the end of the day, determine whether Azumarill makes comps in general or whether it gets put in that in that role. But seeing something that can potentially dethrone a Lucario on a 1v1 battle and the way to you counter that counter is to not make Lucario alone... And where it becomes a lot less powerful if, it, if there are two things it has to attack, leads me to believe a two-one-two is going to happen. It, it, it will be interesting to see if Azumarill is so overpowered and because of what. I think that is the biggest question. If it is overpowered because of the passive, and they tune down the passive, I think we go back to a one-one-three meta. Because I do think we will see a shift to two one two, if it find if we find out that maybe uh, Aqua Tail is too powerful, and that's the reason they tuned down Aqua Tail, we still might see that two one two because the early game for Lucario gets outscaled by the Azumarill, and I I, I think two one two it would be really good for the game. I think it's a very much a balance issue that will open up a lot of different combinations and comps in top lane and bot lane. The other thing that you have to think about is there's a lot more experience to be gained. We did this study recently. There's more experience to be gained, it would appear, in the bot lane. Mm-hmm. And Dural- that first that first Duraludon is so much more... You mean uh, Dread? That first Dread. Mm-hmm. First Dread is so much more important than first Rotom that running three in a bot lane is is beneficial. Yeah. 
So it, it leads you to believe that even there has to be a significant, significant change to, uh, to the top lane structure in order to force a team to take away a very important asset from a lane that's more important and go to a balanced two one two structure. Yeah. Uh, what do you, do you do you think it's do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's possible? Um, I I think that there's there's two key problems with suggesting a two one two. Um, and not that I don't want to see it because I actually quite enjoy the dynamic of a two one two. Like it feels really engaging, right? Um, playing two one twos are are really fun. And frankly, I feel like sometimes uh in a one one three a three v three lane in the bottom is exciting for the first like minute or two. And outside of like big like level four and five power spikes, a lot of it is kind of dictated by whoever gets the first kill or two, and then it snowballs in the other one's favor, and it becomes really tough. And and so a two uh two v two feels a little bit more nuanced in that like if you can get a little bit behind, you can still catch one out and maybe turn the tide, right? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I really think that a two one two would be a great thing to have. My skepticism comes in the form of, yeah, like you said, there's more experience to be gained in the bottom lane, right? So if we go based on the assumption in competitive formats that Lucario is likely going to go top unless challenged by something. Okay, well, what challenges him? We've seen, uh, we actually saw pretty prominently displayed in the last big uh, qualifier finals, uh, Greedon went top against Lucario. Sure. we internally have been experimenting um, to mixed success, but I think that there's some promise to like a Snorlax solo top against Lucario, right? It doesn't scale super great, but it allows us to use our tank pl- uh, our tank outside of the tri lane or the jungle, right? So for sure, for the later game team fights, we're able to put you know our three aggressive ranged characters in the bot lane and not have to run you know a tank down there and you know really dominate that that bottom lane. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily like a, a super, you know, top tier strategy, but we're seeing experimentation against that, especially now that like, there's been like the close combat s- sort of nerf, but Lucario struggles when it gets challenged by like two things. Uh, one, uh, is something that can take the farm before it can take the farm or rivals. It's like farm, uh, smiting, right? Which we know that Snorlax and Greedent both can do. Right. Um, sure. It also struggles, you know, or rather maybe not struggles, but like it can be challenged by something that is just as resilient as it. And again, Greedent and to a certain degree, Snorlax. I think it requires a little bit of extra play. I think Greedent's easier to, to utilize in that situation. Right. Uh, but the point is, like, if it's challenged by something up there, is it the end of the world? And my my like hypothesis is no. Like, I don't think that a Lucario that loses a lane top is a big deal to a team. Because ideally, the reason they put the Lucario top is it can get enough done by itself that if they ran two people top, no problem. Because that means we have a man advantage bot where our farm actually is more, there's more farm and it's more important. It's going on our carries. Right. Sure. It's allowing our our supports to hit their big power spikes at four, five, and you know, hopefully, eventually nine. Right. Because that's where a lot of your ultimate power spikes. And we we talk about like, um, you know, mid maxing farm. Right. It's just as important for your supports to get farm. Maybe even more so. Um, you know, in that like early to mid game because you need them to hit their ults. And once they hit their ults, they can just roam around and say, ah, farm. 
Who needs it? Let's get our Charizard to 14, right? Or, or whatever, right? But, but the, but the thing here, of course, is simply like, if you give, if you put a 2-1-2 to try to beat Lucario, he'll still get some work done. He'll still get some stacks. He probably won't die as much as any other Pokemon in the game, right? So, uh, you yield that, that 1-1-3. So the, when the Azumarill comes in, Azumarill goes, I'm gonna beat Lucario. The team that has Lucario says, well, it's not ideal, but we can live with that. It just depends on how much, re- how many resources, like if you have to commit extra resources outside of Azumarill in order to beat Lucario. If you do, it's the same situation we've been seeing for, for months where well, it- Lucario got ta- toned down. But just as you described, if you're winning top lane because you had to commit an extra resource, that means that their team's winning somewhere else. Right. And and so my my point is if azumarill top becomes meta if you have an azumarill versus azumarill it'll turn into the same thing as a lucario versus lucario if you have if you really love lucario in the late game so 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 much and you have to put somebody else top then their bottom lane succeeds right if you end up going i'm putting an azumarill up here and because of that azumarill is a crazy hard carry that is maybe the only situation in which it might result in a two-one-two because you, you, if the Zoomerol becomes the next hard carry, like this is the Pokemon that it can solo and still like you know be that potent late game finisher. That's the only situation in which I see a two-one-two developing. And then who's to say a Zoomerol doesn't pop in the jungle with its auto crits? You know what I mean? So like right. I just I just struggle to see how the dynamic is going to radically shift when the experience to be gained and to be fought over is still weighted in favor of bot lane. Yeah, it's it's going to take a significant change and we 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 don't know yet. I mean, we've been surprised before. Oh, well, certainly. I think initi- <laughs> I think initially I think initially we'll see some 212 experimentation, but you're right. It just depends on how impactful Big old Azumarill chunk of salt be. with all of these comments here, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've 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 had more than our fair share of rants of God. I wish Lucario would get nerfed. Yeah, why is he so good? Yeah, you know he's been so good for so long. I'm sure eventually. Stupid poster child. It is, it is right. You would think Pikachu would be the broken one, you know. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, that is our sort of evaluation of Azumarill. I mean, I I for one, I I can honestly say I'm excited to see Azumarill. Uh, I like the little uh, the little water mouse. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see it. I know it'll probably radically shift some things, but that's always kind of fun to, to like ride out the wave of, you know, seeing how everything adapts and adjusts and conforms to the new, uh, standard. And so I'm really excited to see how that pans out and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it. Our thoughts, you know, post release. And I think it's in a week or two. So in fact, I'm having a hard time tracking down the exact date. I know at one point it was like thought that it was going to be April 8th. Um, but now I'm, I'm, sitting here wondering like that's a friday and they don't usually roll things out on a friday so maybe it's the sixth and i'm just got the wrong number in my head it's usually sometime between a wednesday and a thursday is what it feels like the 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 release usually is it's like okay sometimes it's notes on a tuesday patch notes on a tuesday and a release on a wednesday or same day it it seems like it changes nonetheless it's likely to be next week and hopefully we'll get to uh have a podcast uh in two weeks from now sort of breaking down what happened? <laughs> you know, a, a wrap up of that. Uh, we are going to move over to a uh, sort of fun segment that we have uh, for you guys. Uh, we are calling this one Captain Clash. Wow! I 
got a lot of people to disappoint. Pokemon Unite does not have a draft format. Most other MOBAs, eventually, as their pool expands, uh, will have a draft format. We're getting to the point now where we have over 30 Pokemon in the game, and a draft format theoretically seems viable. And I will be honest, as a huge fan of uh, of the MOBA genre, I think drafting is one of the most exciting parts of competitive play. And I would be really, really eager uh, for that to be incorporated into the sort of competitive uh, tournament format, right? The thing that's interesting about that would be, like, you wouldn't get duplicate characters. You wouldn't be able to do a Lucario versus a Lucario, uh, which just opens up this entire new world of possibility uh, that, that makes, like, building a team cop interesting. I have never gotten to draft as a part of a MOBA before. Remember, this is my first MOBA, and it's not a part of Pokemon Unite. Uh. So, one, don't expect a lot from me in terms of strategy <laughs> when we do this. But two, this is also very exciting for me, so I'm going to be doing some wild, dumb stuff. So so what we're doing here is we have this awesome um, uh, website, unite-pro.com slash draft. Really, really cool. Now, there's some complex draft formats that I love in, in Dota that maybe eventually we'll do here. But we're going to do a very basic draft format. Gibby and I are each going to draft a team. And then we're going to make our pitch to you, the listener, as to why our team comp is going to win. We're going to tell you what lanes we're going to be doing. We're going to tell you if there's any important like held item distinctions or overall general strategy. And it's going to be up to you guys uh, to vote in our Discord uh, whether you think that uh, Team Gibby or Team DBN is going to uh, to win out on this one. So uh, we're leaving it up to you, the listeners, to decide. So let's go ahead and jump into this, Gibby. We're going to roll a d20 in, in, uh, in memory of our, of our RPG podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's go ahead as, and... As true table RPG players that we are, how else do you decide an important decision like this? You, you, of, you of do a to roll go first. Off. Right, you do a roll off. All right, what'd you get, buddy? 15 ah, I got an 18 so I'm gonna go first oh man uh, do you have your uh do you have your screen up and ready I do are we doing one band or are we doing two bands let's do two bands I think that makes things really interesting okay all right all right so, so I'm gonna so have be team, team a yeah I'm gonna be team a uh, I'm gonna have the first band and my first band surprise surprise it's gonna be Lucario <laughs> all right Lucario is banned my first ban I think I'm gonna ban cinderace Ooh, i do like that band quite a bit um i am going to for my second band ban my personal maybe least favorite pokemon in the entire game that if i was building this and was actually going to play out against this i wouldn't want to face and that's going to be greedent we're going to ban greedent get your dink and dunk strategy out of here and i am going to ban talonflame talonflame Ooh, that's an interesting choice yes love that i'm going to ban talonflame Okay. Do very, do very dangerous junglers. So here's how it's going to work here. I've got the first pick, uh, and then Gibby's going to get two picks before it comes back to me. So I have to really think about that. Um, and I'm looking at uh, this, you know, the, the remaining Pokemon here, and I think I need to be picking out something that's just going to be really high value overall for the team. And I think that that is going to be Wigglytuff. Can't go wrong with a Wigglytuff. Wig, Wigglytuff. Super flexible. You have chosen. Super I, powerful. It's also a very popular mon of yours to to play. Yeah, it's so. probably my best Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. All right. For me, I think I am going to choose Venusaur. Okay. Venusaur for that first pick. And then you get another pick to go with it. You get a nice oh, little pairing here. Oh, I do. Here. That's right. I get to go back and forth. Yeah. You, okay. get, to, you get to pair. 
which which is pretty good, I think. It is. I mean, it, I, I don't. It, it's the jury's out on what is what is better to do. Uh, I think my next pick is going to be. Oh, this is difficult. I think I'm going to go slow, bro. Slow, bro. Solid. Very, very solid. Okay, that that's neat because now I'm going to be very much avoiding roaming ults. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's take a look at this. I now get, I believe, two picks, and you get the third pick. Um, that's correct. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick up Nine Tails because I really value Nine Tails as laning. I love me a, a strong lane. Like that's that's big for me. I really love me a strong lane. Um, and then let's see. Do I want to take a top lane or do I want to take a? What do I want to do here? Or do I want to try to set up a dual lane? I think I'm going to go with Blastoise. I'm picking up a Blastoise. Okay, I'm jealous. I was considering it. That was on the list. <laughs> Blastoise feels so flexible these days. Like I, I feel like I feel like it might be. Might be back to being viable in the jungle. Definitely viable in both dual lanes and tri lanes. I think if you are tight on your execution, so that makes sense. All right, my next pick that I'm going to make because I get I get two now because mm-hmm. um, it's back to me. I am going to go decidui. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I am going to go decidui, and then I am going to go. Charizard. Ooh. Okay. Dang. I was thinking about Charizard initially, but then when you picked up the Slowbro, I was like, I don't know. I, I've seen my I've seen my Charizards get uh get get picked up by the Slowbro all too many times. I, I don't want that. Um let's take a look here. So I have uh I believe I get two picks and then you get the last one here. Okay. I'm going to take I'm gonna take Machamp. Alright. And I'm gonna take your top laner, probably. Mayhaps. It's hard. The last the slot last is always slot's the hardest. tough, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm taking Dragonite. You're going to take Dragonite. That's right. Interesting. I very much value Dragonite. I love that Pokemon. All right. And then with my last choice, I think I'm going to take Gardevoir. You know, I thought you might do that. So... All right, so we've got our team set. We've got Lucario and Greedent Band, so along with Cinderace and Talonflame. Uh, your team of Wigglytuff, and, so of Wigglytuff, Ninetales, Blastoise, Machamp, and Dragonite. Ian, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your team, why people should pick your team That's right. as the stronger of the two if we, want, if we played a simulated battle and what your strategy was with drafting this. Absolutely. So the first thing is I really want some really strong lanes. And I think that I've got some flexibility in how I set up my lanes uh, if I wanted like to do a 2 and 2 or a 1 one, 3 which again, knowing that Lucario mm-hmm. is like banned out gives you that possibility. I think looking at your uh, like lane presence, you have to put either Decidui, Charizard, or Gardevoir into a lane. Um, I think you're going to run a 2 one, 2 here. Um, and so I think we're definitely putting Dragonite in the jungle because I wanted some objective secure with that hyper beam, right? And I know that you've got some solid objective secure, especially with Decidueye ulting, or not ulting, well, ulting potentially, but, uh, but sniping, right? So I wanted to get a little bit of that of my own. I think that looking at your lanes, I would have a hard time running into a top, uh, I think even with like Decidueye, like, 
uh, or or Gardevoir in a in a solo lane. I don't know if I have a strong enough solo lane, which maybe was a weakness of mine. I potentially could have picked something like a Snorlax if I thought you were going to do that. But I'll be honest, the Guardi pick, I didn't necessarily think you were going to pick it as your last pick. So I'm going to go with my lanes being... Um, we're going to go Machamp and Ninetales in the top lane. We're going to go Wiggly, Blastoise, and we're going to start stacking on our Blastoise. Um, so we're going to do a, a stacking build on Blastoise, and then we're going to run um, Dragonite in the jungle. And I think that pretty much lays things out. Um, I, I don't know if I would... I don't know if I want to have Machamp stack or not. That might feel too greedy. That might feel too greedy. I, I think that I can beat your lanes with my Pokemon. It's just a matter of like late game. So you know what? Yeah, we'll have Machamp stack. We're going to have a double stacking <laughs> squad. We're going to have Machamp and Blastoise stacking to try to skill into the late game against your team. Nice. Uh, so my my team here, we've got Venusaur, Slowbro, Decidueye, Charizard, and Gardevoir. What I plan to do with this is, I mean, so we're very damage focused as a team here, a lot less sustaining in the team fight and we want to kill quick. Uh, so I would go actually a one, one, three here. Uh, I would go Charizard top lane. I would go Gardevoir in the center. And then I would go my bot lane as Decidueye and Slowbro and Venusaur. Now, what I basically what I've done is build an absolute nuke mage build of, of <laughs> I've got some single target uh, some single target removal or isolation with the slow bro probably running am, uh, amnesia um, and being able to pick people up and just absolutely delete people one at a time from games. I think this team does okay early, but probably the biggest struggle would be the early game. Just it's got several characters that can do a lot of damage but need to get to certain levels in order to do so. Um, having the, the Gardevoir go into jungle will easily be able to hit five to be able to zone out uh, the opposing team with future sights, making a, a team very uncomfortable with ever pushing, uh, especially with a lot of the damage that we've got on the back line. So you're going to have to push through a very tough front in order to get to the point where you want to um, to be up in their face, you can't guarantee that you won't even die before you get to their get to the enemy lines. Um, so there's a slow bro. I mean, Decidueye being able to have some decent secure in the bot lane uh, and take far- take farm along with uh, the pools of uh, the the poison from uh, Venusaur along with the solar beam because we are going to go solar beam Venusaur okay, here okay. and spirit and then the spirit shackle shadow sneak from uh, Decidueye. So we've got three mages that can essentially delete people from the back row. You've got Charizard roaming around, making it hard for people to get there. Same thing with the Gardevoir, and you've got some single target, um, some single target pickup for anybody that does try to charge. I think we've got a really good chance of scaling because of the amount of objective secure that we've got. Uh, the biggest question would be is how well can Charizard mitigate losing hard against a 2-1-2 if that's what you ran in the top lane. So that would probably be the biggest indicator about tempo going forward. But Gardevoir being able to help stop some of those pushes, chase some people down because she is so ranged. I think this is a comp that is a bit fragile in yeah. terms of health pool, but could definitely work. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I feel like, in, I feel like throughout 
the match, like into that mid game, I feel like your comp would be very strong when it comes to like picking people off. But I've got a lot of AOE alts, and your guys are kind of squishy. I think that that's like the challenge there, right? Is like if you if your slowbro uh, and your Charizard can effectively like frontline and not let my Dragonite or my Machamp or even my Blastoise rapid spinning like into the backline, like I, I think that that those team fights look good. But we have a lot of uh, backing with Wiggly and and Ninetales that I I would hope would be able to keep us alive long enough to get one of our guys to jump in and and kill the bird. <laughs> kill you'll the bird ne- <laughs> you'll never get close <laughs> so anyways guys that is our uh segment captain clash hopefully you guys enjoyed it we tried to keep it you know moving quickly so that there was enough discussion and not too much uh deliberation but let us know if you liked it and of course let us know what you think about our uh, our matchup between the two if you uh at the minimum uh throw in a uh team dbn or a team gibby uh, but if you want to tell us the breakdown and how you think that that match might go, we would love to hear it and, and chat about it. Um, this is something that I think we'll do, maybe not every episode, but uh, pretty common because I think it's a really fun thought experiment. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Last thing we want to mention before we uh, start uh, wrapping up and getting out of here, we would love to have some submissions for a future segment. We want to do a segment called Who's That Pokemon? Uh, where we want to look at fan-made um Pokemon to be entered into uh, Pokemon Unite. So not just what Pokemon do you want in there, but give us some moves and a passive and a little bit about, you know, are they a speedster? Are they all-rounder? And we want to see those fan-made Pokemon Unite adaptations of your favorite Pokemon. And uh, in a future episode, we will be picking our favorite one from those submitted and highlighting you uh, on the the show. So if you have a friend that likes to make these, if you yourself want to, uh, you know, put your best foot forward on that, uh, we will have a segment of our Discord ready for you guys to submit them. And so that is actually going to bring us into our little outro here we want to mention that aos airwaves is a member of our podcast network called camp legend we have a single patreon and discord community for all of our shows so you guys can join that you will be able to find the link to both down in the uh in the description and we do want you guys to feel welcome to join our discord community start chatting with our community about all sorts of stuff we have a very very active discord everything uh, from just general off-topic stuff people posting their vacations the food they're cooking um all the different stuff that uh, they might want to discuss we have an active community for each of our other podcasts of course we'll be building out a space for you pokemon uniters as well um, to feel welcome and of course we are on there almost all the time so you can feel free to reach out to us directly if you want to chat about something that is going to be pretty much it we want to thank you guys so much for listening check on back in two weeks for our next episode thank you guys again have fun be it zap don't forget to ping your lanes